in our fourth session on Ephesians 4, 25 to 29, we're going to talk about anger, namely verse 26, and next time, verse 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give place to the devil. We need two sessions at least on this. Father, anger, I think, probably ruins more relationships, more marriages, more churches than does money and sex. They're so entangled with each other, maybe it doesn't matter which we identify. But I ask, O oh God, that you would grant us first a right understanding of what Paul means and then the spiritual power to get rid of unrighteous anger. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, in the context that's just gone before, Paul is unpacking what it means to take off the uniform, as it were, of the old man and put on the uniform of the new man, the new person in Christ. And uh, the first one was, put away all falsehood and speak truth. And now we're talking about, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give place to the devil. This is a quote from the Old Testament. So we should look at the context there for light first. O oh, men, how long shall my honor be? Turn into shame. How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him, Be angry and do not sin. It's an exact quote from Ephesians or vice versa. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds. Remember, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be done with it before you get in bed. This is not exactly that, but it's related. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. In other words, don't lash out with your tongue in anger. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when all their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down. So here I am now, getting in my bed. I will lie down and sleep. I will have peace, not bitter, wakeful, stewing, vengeful. Play the tapes over and over again in your head, anger. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. So, be angry and do not sin means at least Trust in the Lord with what you're dealing with behind this anger and get to the point where your trust in him gives you a peace that enables you to 
lie down and sleep like a baby. That's pretty significant. So here's my question when we come to Paul's be angry and do not sin, which is a direct quote, and then this is a kind of adaptation of the psalm, do not let the sun go down on your anger. My first question is, is that a bona fide imperative, a command? Is he telling all Christians, be sure to get angry when it's appropriate to get angry? Is that an encouragement toward anger? Now, before I answer by saying not quite, let me acknowledge, and you know this probably, that God gets angry. Here's chapter 5, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath, the anger of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So anger per se can't be sinful because God feels it. So did Jesus, Mark 3, 5. And Jesus never sinned. Jesus looked around at them with anger. Anger. Grieved. He felt simultaneous anger and simultaneous grief, which is one test of whether your anger has any righteousness in it or is only ego-driven. Do you feel grieved at the sins that make you angry, the hardness of heart in the Pharisees when they didn't care about the sick person in front of them. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand, and it was restored. So Jesus felt anger. And James, in this famous passage about anger, doesn't say never get angry. He says be slow to get anger. angry. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Not never, but slow, pretty hard. Elders in Titus 1.7 are told not to have quick tempers, be slow to get angry, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So anger of man, and then just says flat out, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So he must if, if there is an angry, an anger that you should, after you have been slow, prop, properly feel, if you should properly feel anger after you have been slow to get anger, it's not merely the anger of man, is it? Anger of man seems to be, if your anger is mainly ego-driven, I've been offended. This makes me angry. It casts bad light on me. It's not about God. It's not about other people. It's about me. I think that would be the essence of anger of man. That doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And then in chapter 3, James says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere, and then this, a harvest of righteousness. Now, I'm contrasting that with the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, the righteousness that pleases God, probably, 
But what does produce a harvest of righteousness? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, not anger-driven. Right? So, God feels angry. Jesus feels anger. James says, be slow to get angry because, oh my goodness, it is not productive. Like, peacemaking is productive. So, I don't mean when I question whether this is a bona fide imperative here, I don't mean it's sinful, it's always sinful to get angry. That's not true. There is a place for righteous and brief anger. <laughs> brief. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So you might say, James says, slow to, to get to feel anger. And Paul says, quick to stop feeling it. That makes sense? James says, be slow to anger. And Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you do feel it, even if it's right, don't go to bed with it. Don't seethe with it. Don't play the tapes of offense over and over again in your head till you are consumed with it. Now, here's my main reason for thinking be angry here is probably not a command, but some kind of unusual imperative. Just a few verses later, chapter 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be taken away from you, all of it be taken away from you, Al along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. It's very hard to feel anger and tenderness at the same time. God can. We can't, usually. That's extraordinary. If you can manage that, you're a better person than I am. I, I feel like anger is one of the most dangerous emotions there is. Way more dangerous than lust, I think, as far as destruction power. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So this is so strong that when I come back here just a few verses earlier and I see him say, be angry and do not sin, I say, now Paul, is this intended to be an encouragement to anger? When you're going to say, three verses later, let all anger be put away. And I, I, think, I think what Paul is saying here, I think he would say, it's, it's not like I'm commanding everybody to be angry. It's more like the kind of imperative Jesus used in John 2.19. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. Now, what kind of imperative is that? I mean, he wasn't really commanding them to destroy the temple. 
he was saying, Okay, if you must, destroy the temple. I'll raise it up in three days. It's, it's a kind of if. It's a kind of concession. It's like when um, I'm, I'm having a discussion over the phone with a friend who is supposed to get here in 10 minutes, and he says he's late, and I'm frustrated, and I say, okay, be late, but don't forget the groceries. Be late, but don't forget the groceries. I, I don't mean I'm commanding him to be late. It's a way of saying, if you must be late, be late, and don't forget the groceries. And so that's the kind of thing I see here. Say to your child, touch that vase, and you'll get a spanking. We don't mean touch the vase. We mean if you, if you touch the vase. Or if we say to our teammate, hit a home run and we'll win the game. We don't mean it's a command to hit a home run. We, we mean if you hit a home run, we will. There is a kind of imperative that in Greek usage, English usage, probably other languages are conditional. So I think he's saying, uh, if there is an occasion for you to be angry properly, go ahead, be angry, and don't sin. Or, like James says, be slow to feel it, be quick to get rid of it, and next time we're going to ponder, now why are we to be so slow? What's, what's dangerous about this? Anger. If God feels it, Jesus felt it, Paul felt it when he was in Athens and looked at the idols. What's dangerous about it? Why are you supposed to get rid of it before sundown? And then we'll ask, how do you get rid of it? And then we'll ask, what's that got to do with giving place to the devil? But for now, just wanted to make the case that even though anger can be properly felt by Christians, this is probably a concession. If you must get angry, do it, but do it without sin. And the sin he focuses on here is holding a grudge beyond sundown.